Welcome to the Insight Podcast. Joining me on the show today is Dr. Emma Cottrell. Emma is a clinical psychologist, a therapist, and the author of How to Help Someone with Depression. And that's the main topic of this conversation. How is it that we can help someone that we love, a friend, family member, a colleague who is experiencing depression? And Emma offers a whole wealth of information around how we can do that. Enjoy the episode. So what do we get wrong about depression, do you think? Um, I mean, it's a really good question. I think the, probably the one big thing is just what depression looks like um, right. in terms of thinking about, you know, people might have the kind of idea that it's literally like, well, metaphorically, like the idea that you're walking around with kind of the, the dark cloud over your head and and crying and, and, and just that very visible look of what somebody um, experience depression might look like but actually we know that depression can look um like any anybody else who doesn't have depression we know that someone with depression can smile and laugh and go to parties and um get on with their work and parent their children and and all the things that that, that anybody without depression would do um it's just that they may also be suffering with depression at the same time and dealing with so much inside um that you might not see on the outside so i think often one of the things that people get wrong is thinking, oh, that person's out socialising or doing this amazing job at work or anything else, and that so therefore they can't be suffering from depression, and that's just not the case. Yeah, or, or what they're sharing on social media is very positive and very smiley, and we yeah. see those stories, don't we, in the in the news? You know, the, the latest picture of this person that has then I, I don't know has gone through that period of depression, and you're like, what? Well, how is it because they they look like they were doing absolutely fine and, yeah. and no one had any idea and yeah. that's what makes it so tough and so shocking isn't it yeah absolutely so it can it, it just isn't something you can see necessarily on the surface at all um yeah. so knowing that is really important that just because someone looks like they don't have depression it doesn't mean they're not experiencing depression um I think also that that it isn't just about sadness. That's obviously the other right. the big thing that it's it, it, that sadness is definitely a part of it. But actually, it's about anxiety. It's about overwhelm and, and stress. It's about anger. You know, there's so many emotions that come into depression. Um, and and actually, you might see some of those much more. You might see the anger and the irritability much more. Mm. You might see the anxiety or the feeling like they're never on top of things and feeling overwhelmed all the time. And you might see that much more than you might see the sadness. so how do you like separate between depression and anxiety for example and and is it even useful to or is it just you know every individual is different so why do we need to label it yeah well yes that's a really good question (laughs) and there's probably a much longer discussion about diagnosis and so on and I think that, that ultimately you can certainly experience anxiety um as part of um, what depression can look like. So people right. can have lots of worries and anxious thoughts within um, what we can see as depression. Um, I, I think equally someone can be experiencing anxiety without having symptoms of depression. So um, as I say, you can get into ideas of what that looks like in terms of diagnostic criteria, but also actually as psychologists, what we look at is what we talk about as a formulation. So we talk about actually rather than labeling it's about understanding 
what's going on for a person, what mm. experiences they going through, what symptoms are they experiencing, whether it's the thoughts, whether it's the emotions, whether it's the behaviours. Um, and we look at you know pulling all that together to understand what might be influencing how they are and where they are, and then obviously what we can do about it. So in that case, you know, in that way, the label is is actually much less important. It's about understanding um, just that individual person and what they're going through. And so for one person, you say, with experience of depression, there may be a lot of anxiety or a lot of anger or irritability or these other emotions in that presentation. And for somebody else, it may not be. So we can't, mm. definitely not a one-size-fits-all. Yeah. And it's kind of a hallmark of depression that, it, that that kind of that sense of like doom that sense of like a, a cloud is over your head and you you can't see yourself getting out of it is that what makes it kind of quite unique um yes it can be and I think it's <laughs> no you're talking nonsense Sam <laughs> yeah, no, no, not at all. <laughs> um I think we can look at depression as a, as a as being on a spectrum I think that's a hard okay. way to look at it in right okay that the different features of depression, the different ways it can present, um, you know, the, the strength of the, <clears throat> excuse me, the strength of the emotion you might experience, the negative thoughts you might be experiencing, the um, way that it affects your behaviour may vary along that spectrum. Mm-hmm. So for each person, they may have a slightly different way that that looks. Okay. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's understanding that, so that sense, I think what you're talking about, that sense of doom, that sense of, kind of the future feels dark, the future feels hopeless, that it's hard to see something good when you look ahead is definitely a feature. It's depending on probably where you sit on that spectrum, depends on how significant a feature it is. I think for some people, perhaps at the what might look like the milder end of that spectrum, that might not be, they may be able to look ahead, they may be able to, able to see a possibility of a, of a bright future, but they can't quite feel it in the here and now. So they can't quite get to it and it feels really far away whereas somebody else might really struggle to even see that imagine it comprehend it it might just be really out of reach um to imagine so it probably again depends on the person okay um and then going back to what you said about it kind of being difficult difficult to to spot and understand i just thought Mm. it'd be yeah interesting to go back to that because it's like you said, it would present itself in different ways. And I suppose the kind of the, 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 the theme, I suppose, of this conversation is that is, it's all about helping someone who is going through depression. And so mm-hmm. we might see friends, family, colleagues um, acting differently. And what, what might come up, and I know you've already kind of answered this in some ways and that it's really hard to tell, but what might come up in someone who you then think, all oh, right, it, it might be that they need some support for feeling very low maybe maybe they mm. are going through depression and are there any other signs that are kind of less common that like real kind of start changes in behavior or something like that where you where you think oh yeah this definitely i would definitely need to reach out to this person and and maybe signpost them towards support yeah i think you know so when we're thinking about depression it is thinking about with each person as you say it's going to be individual in terms of yeah. how it might present in them but for the people around that person, obviously you know them. So you're, if there's things that you notice change, if you think there's things that you notice start to be different. Um, and typically, although we're saying, obviously it is very individual to every person, but there, there are different areas you'd be looking out for. So you would be looking out for, for example, the way that that person's thinking um, about themselves or, you know, and talking about themselves and maybe about their future, about, um, about relationships in their life, about, 
um, their abilities, you, you'd be looking at is there a, a, a trend towards that perhaps being more negative to being, being, you know, we talk about sometimes a depression, it's a little bit like feeling like there's a negative filter on your thoughts and and everything that comes in kind of comes through that negative filter so has a, um, a, a bias that might move more towards the negative, so feeling more hopeless, feeling more um, uh, negative, seeing things in more negative terms. And, and actually, if you start noticing a shift in the way that someone's talking about themselves or talking about their life or their abilities or their situation, and that's trending more towards that negative, um, then that's a sign you know, to be looking out for. Um, I think within that, it can be people with experiencing depression will often talk about perhaps they feel like they're not remembering things as well. They're not paying, paying a focusing or kind of pay attention to things as well. They yeah. don't feel as organized and managing things as well. And, and that's um, something that we see um, for, for certain in, in depression. And it's something that sometimes changes because when your mind is full and consumed by the way depression affects you, it is hard to focus. It's hard to remember everything that's going on. It's hard to organize yourself in the way you would normally because your, your mind is kind of constantly pulling you in this darker direction. Um, so you're looking out for the way maybe they're talking about themselves, the way they're thinking about themselves. The language might change in that negative way. Um, you're also watching for that shift in emotion. So if you start to notice someone does seem to be lower mood, they might seem to be more anxious. They might seem to be more irritable. They might seem to um, have those kind of changes they might seem to be more apprehensive about things more overwhelmed then again you're kind of wondering like what's going on is there something happening and, and obviously if that is you know low mood is certainly a big part of depression so if it seems like there is a real shift in mood um, then that's something to look out for um, the, the third part is perhaps the more the physical the more physiological physical um, area of things in the in the sense of um, do you notice change in their appetite? Are they eating lots more or eating a lot less? Are they sleeping um, lots more or lots less? Um, is there does there seem to be a, more of a sense of um, kind of lethargy, low energy, not feeling like doing anything? Um, you know, do you notice those shifts? And and then the final area being the behaviour. So do they change in terms of um, maybe what they're doing? And sometimes that can go in two ways. It can be people who are really withdrawing. Um, you know, not wanting to go out socially anymore, not want to cancelling plans, um, you know, not not getting involved, having sick days. It's it's mm -hmm. all those kind of changes that you might see, uh, seeming to perhaps avoid things or not get involved like they might used to. Um, but sometimes it can look a bit more like the opposite. It's almost so someone perhaps if they're feeling really negative about themselves, they're almost pushing themselves harder to try to push through that and they might actually you might see them working really late at work or they're um seeming to never give themselves a chance to rest and they're just kind of on the go all the time and so sometimes it can look the other way um although that avoidance and withdrawal is actually much more characteristic um, of what the depression can look like so yeah. kind of looking for all of those you're looking for those um shifts and those changes and and seeing if any of those start to come together then you're wondering about something like a depression that's going on yeah yeah it makes sense and, and even as like you said could go the other way and really work hard or maybe they are really making an effort to get out there and socialize and share lots of pictures about what a great time they're having and they're absolutely mm. fine so i think yeah. it's, it's really valuable to think about this and it's valuable to think about it um for yourself as well when you notice those things in yourself um, yeah. and maybe not beating yourself up about it and seeing because i think very we're very quick to think 
right, there's something wrong with me, so I need to do something about it because there's all these health gurus that have got these podcasts and they tell me if I start to feel low energy or I don't want to go to the gym, then I just need to sort myself out. And it feels like there's a bit of a fine balance there. Yeah, and that's a really important point, I think, that there's Mm -hmm. this sense of, um, that we know there's lots of things out there that can help, but also any one thing isn't necessarily going to be a magic wand. And so, again, that's really important not to to beat yourself up to think, you know, people tell me I should... I don't know, I should go to the gym or I should go running and that's going to make me feel better. And, and I, you know, I'm a huge advocate of, of exercise. So I 100% agree like to, to exercise and that's brilliant. Um, but nothing is a, no one thing is going to be a complete, complete magic fix. And it's, it's actually, you know, as we say, because depression has these different features to it that, that you, the solutions and the, the ways you want to be looking, addressing it will also look at targeting those different areas as well. Yeah. So that leads us nicely on, doesn't it, to to kind of the main part, I guess, of, of what I mm. want to talk to you about is, um, is around mm. your book, you know, How to Help Someone with, oh. with Depression. And in that description, it says it can be tough watching, in the book's description, mm. sorry, it says it can be tough watching someone you love struggling with depression with no idea mm. how best to help. And I think um, many of us have been in that position either in the past or maybe right now they're, they're mm. going through that where a close friend or a loved one has opened up to, to us about yeah. how they're feeling. And like you say, we immediately want to start offering solutions like exercise or meditation, yeah. something like that. But of course it's not as simple as that. Um, so what, what, what is a, not the solution, but what is the approach? How, how do you help someone that you love that you can see is suffering? What, yeah. what can you do? Well, I think, First, it's recognising that it is really hard. It's really hard to see someone you love go through mm-hmm. this. And it's really hard because there isn't a quick fix. And and typically, it's recognising yeah. that depression usually will have crept up on someone um, over you know, weeks, months, um, and and in subtle ways, in ways that you, know, you and that person with experiencing depression may not have noticed as it's creeping up. And, um, and so equally, it will take time to come out of it again um, and to recover from it so knowing that it's it's not going to be that quick fix is important for everyone so that there's the expectations are are, um, more helpful and I think as a carer loved one colleague someone supporting someone you have to look after yourself that's really important and I talk about that in the book that it's really important to look after you because it's it's hard and it takes its toll and obviously the person experiencing depression is you know, going through an incredibly difficult time. Um, and as someone who cares for them or loves them, it's it's really difficult to see that too. And you have to look after yourself. You have to, you know, practice your own self-care. You have to do all of those things. And and, and know that you know, a tough bit of that is knowing there's only so much you can do. There is, um, you know, you can't be fully responsible for making that person, um, for that, dep- for, for, uh, finding a way for that depression to leave that person it's it's you can't be responsible for that solely yourself so you have to make sure you don't take that all on um but then in terms of how to help i think it's it's knowing let's say we know there's all these things we know there's things like exercise we know there's therapy there's there's um medication for some people there's um there's there's these different approaches out there and i think the first bit is knowing that the person experiencing depression you know, they they need you to be able to to listen, to be able to sit with them, to be able to bear the emotion that they're experiencing. You know, it can be really hard for that person sitting with the depression to 
it's a bare being with themselves anyway. So actually, if you can just be there, you can just be able to sit with them, just be able to hear what they're going through, just be able to tolerate that without it feeling like you're trying to um, minimize it or make it go away or anything else, but you're just there, that can be really, really powerful. So just being able to sit with the emotion is a really important thing, but also a difficult thing. It's hard to hear your loved one feeling so terribly about themselves or um, finding it so hard to see any good in their life. And, and, and particularly perhaps for partners, for family members, like when you hear somebody experience depression, who might be saying how much they find their life difficult or they find li- you know, living this way really hard. That can be difficult when you think, but hang on, you know, I'm here and you've got your children, you've got this amazing house mm-hmm. or job or anything else. And it's really hard to listen to it. And it's knowing that it's not personal. It's not... And it's not that person talking. So a really crucial bit is knowing it's the pres- it's depression. It's not the person. It's the depression. And that's so that shift in language, which, again, as we talk about in the book, is really crucial to make sure you're talking about the depression rather than the person. You're talking about the depression is, you know, you can see the depression is making you feel these feelings. Or you can see the depression is making, you can hear depression is making them think these terrible things about themselves or about their situation. Um, but it's mm-hmm. depression and it's not them. Um, because once the depression leaves and they recover and, 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 it, and it moves on, then that person, as you know them before, will be there. Um, so it's really knowing that they're only saying these things and feeling this way and thinking this way because the depression is there. Um, so that's really important. And that helps, I think, as a carer or a loved one, because, again, it's making sure it's not it's not personal. And, and because if you start feeling it's the person they don't like their life anymore they don't like you or their family or they're not appreciating what they've got around and then that's when you can start feeling angry you can start feeling irritated you feel frustrated um and obviously that dynamic then becomes less helpful in terms of how much well you can care for that person and support that person um so really being able to you know think about that and then obviously it's looking at what support you can offer what practical support um and there are lots of things which we know help so because we know depression tends to make people on the whole, withdraw or avoid or um, reduce what they're doing, that actually trying to help them come out of that um, and engage more with life is a really important part of what we know helps. Um, But in order to do that, you've got to ask permission. You've got to be able to have that conversation and say, you know, how can I help? Or um, can I suggest some ideas? Or would it be okay if I think about arranging this for us? Or, you know, put some ideas out there, but get the permission to do that in the first place because as you say actually often if you're coming in saying you should just be doing this or why aren't you doing that or and you know and if you're saying that in the nicest possible way it's often the person experiencing depression they know these things they know the same things the rest of us they know that exercise helps they know that um you know getting up and getting dressed and taking care of themselves will make them feel better they understand that but it's still really really hard to do when the depression consumes you and and it's knowing that sometimes and obviously at that we talked about that spectrum if you're at that more severe end of the spectrum sometimes the idea of even you know getting the shower washing your hair putting on nice clothes can feel on the from the, the physical point of view can feel just an exhausting task so it can feel like it's just impossible to comprehend doing it um but also because the depression can bring so many negative thoughts that it can make the person feel like they're not worth spending the time on, that it's not, they don't have value to wear their favourite clothes or eat their favourite food or anything else. So there's so many things that can get in the way of what looks like a really simple task. Um, 
So it's just understanding how much the depression might be influencing what the person's doing. Um, but obviously we do know that if we can help with little steps and, and depending on where that person's at. So if it's about actually, do you know what, can we just focus on getting up and having a shower today? Or can I help you pick out some clothes that you like to wear? Or let's make the bed or, or little steps like that, that, that are actually huge successes if you're at the that more severe end of the spectrum. But perhaps so the, um, if you're somewhere else on the spectrum, it might be more about can we get out for a walk today? Like, is that something we can do together? And doing that side by side, so offering to do that with the person rather than them necessarily doing it on their own. Um, and giving that kind of support if, you know, if they are happy to kind of give that a go. Um, but but, it, but doing it, setting those goals, setting those tasks in really manageable ways, because again, the idea for some, you know, for one person, maybe the idea of going into a big social situation would be, utterly terrifying and overwhelming but maybe going out for a walk or sitting in the garden having a coffee that's a bit more manageable so you want to think about just where that person's at and what might be just the next step that would just help them do a little bit more and be engaged a little bit more in life so wherever they are on that spectrum whatever the next little step might might look like um I mean with just to say with depression generally one of the things that we often look at is is um an approach that basically looks at can can we help someone re-engage in whether it's exercise, um, doing something that has a social connection to it, doing something that they enjoy, or doing something that has a sense of achievement or mastery to it? So if you're thinking along those lines, is it one of those areas? Is it something that um that that they can do which either ticks any or all of those boxes, then that's the kind of things that you're looking at to try to support and encourage. I just think that was all so valuable and it was just like it's just so valuable yeah. um there's just so much that I'd like to to kind of pick apart and, and ask more mm. about but um I think there, it's just so you like taking that step back and not it not being a personal thing which obviously is so hard isn't it because like you said um it would be easy to take to be offended when you're like well do you yeah. mean I, like I love you I'm here for you and we've got a beautiful child together like how, how could you be sad but if there's one yeah. thing that I've I've seen in the past five years is, is it, you know depression can hit anyone can't it it doesn't matter what situation is and that doesn't mean a person is what broken or anything like that it's just you know we wouldn't blame someone for breaking their arm would we so yeah. you know just because you've got 10 million in the bank doesn't mean that you're not going to break your arm yeah. you know these things can happen to everyone absolutely and that's but, uh, so important because that's often one of the things that then depression will make someone beat themselves up for because I think why am yeah. I why am I depressed because I've got this wonderful family or this wonderful house or this one all this money or you know all these things material you know on a on the surface look wonderful. Um but actually that depression can absolutely affect anybody at any any um any situation they're in. Um it can be there and and we know there's multiple factors that can lead to that and it can be about um childhood experiences, it can be about trauma, it can be about um uh, experiences um, in in life currently. It can be about challenges at work. It can be about challenges socially. Mm. It can be you know about all sorts of things that can influence and 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 often it's a combination of things that that can yeah. lead to a depression developing. And a genetic component as well. Is that right? It, it, like, is that a thing or not? I don't know. But uh, like, is it? it 
if your parents have gone through some kind of, um, I don't know, if they've experienced issues with their mental health, is it more likely that you are going to be? Or are there other factors at play? Is it just really complicated? Uh, I think it's just really complicated. I mean, <laughs> okay, the, okay. the thing is, uh, y- yes, if in the sense of if you've grown up in an environment where there has been um, parental mental health, that, that can potentially affect you and how you develop as a child and mm-hmm. how you see the world. Um, so obviously our experiences in so many ways shape shape all of that. Um, and, and as I say, and so many other factors as well that can, yeah. can that can influence. So it's it's difficult to pick on one thing. And and I think it's important to acknowledge as well that there are, you know, there's lots of factors in society these days that 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 mean, you know, there's a there's a there's still very much a pressure to work really hard and, yeah. and to override you know your well-being effectively to continue to meet your work deadlines or to um you know get all your homework done at school or whatever it is there's it we still have a bit of mentality that although we are talking much more about mental health which is great um the realistically in my experience and with the people that I work with it's really common for um for for people to still feel they still have to get up and do that work or or, or um carry out this task even though they they are not feeling they've got the yeah. mental health capacity to do that and and we're taught all the time to override that and that's we you know we have to understand that necessarily the the society we live in and some of the more systemic structures around it don't enable us to have good mental health all the time and and it's important that that it doesn't become something of blaming the person or when actually there is a system around that is really not enabling us necessarily to have the best mental health. And, you know, we talked about social media, there's, you know, the 24-hour news cycle, there's, there's so much that actually these days means that we're constantly in this kind of fast-paced, um, very stressed world um, yeah. that doesn't necessarily enhance our mental health in any way. And what about the pressure to kind of be a perfect mum? Like, it's not enough to be just a mum anymore or just mm-hmm. a dad or just a parent, whatever. It's like, you've got to be a mum, but you've also got to be like a uh, an expert chef that cooks incredible meals. You've also got to keep fit. So you need to keep going to the gym. You also need to see your friends because if you don't neglect them, that's not great. You've also got to look after your mum because mm-hmm. she's going through something at the moment. Absolutely. Like, come on, you've got to be a perfect mum. What's what you like? There's too much to do. You haven't got time to look after yourself. Sort Absolutely. yourself out. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's, again, that's... That's a huge thing is that coming into parenthood and often for many people that there's again still the pressure to work as well as parent and then there's 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 so many things about about how you're meant to be as a parent and and it's wonderful these days there's so much information out there but also that can be an overload in itself um which is a lot um and and yes so just the the, the overwhelm of, of all of those things that can easily mean people can end up feeling that they're not doing anything well enough and not doing anything right. And that's you know, just not the case because at the end of the day, we're all humans. There's only so much we can do. And absolutely, you can't, you know, all the boxes ticked. There's, you know, in an ideal world, great, we could do all the things you want to do. But the reality is something often has to give. Um, yeah. And again, if you feel a lot of that pressure to, to be, you know, obviously if you are someone who feels that you need to be, the best or you you have very high expectations for yourself you know any of those things that's often a big part of um when we can start to feel very stressed and feel very challenged if you you've got those high expectations and you know one of the things I often talk about is that the ability to to hold things flexibly is really important so whether it's about um you know how we're meant to be as a parent whether it's how you're meant to be at work whether it's about 
um, how you put in practice all these things like exercise and meditation and self-care and all the different things that if you hold any of those those ideas too rigidly or put too high an expectation on yourself around that in a rigid way then that's often quite problematic for our mental health whereas our ability to be flexible to to roll with what comes our way to be able to know that we can't do it all necessarily all the time that that's that helps our mental health a great deal so that enables us to be much more compassionate to ourselves which is a big part of um, our well-being Sure. And what about what do you think about kind of recognizing that life is in cycles? Like I've got a friend um, who's who's got two young, beautiful children, um, a, a pretty full on job as well. And he's beating himself up about the fact that he can't get to the gym. And I tried to say to him, like, maybe like now is not the time for the gym or, or maybe you're not going to be in the best shape of your life right now. But in two or three years, you can pick it back up again, because mm-hmm. like you said, something's got to give. And Maybe you just, you know, maybe your priority is your children and your job at the moment, and that's okay. Mm. It doesn't mean you don't have to keep training like a CrossFit athlete as well. Yeah. <laughs> like, chill out, it's all right. Which, of course, is easy for me to say with no children, but I just, yeah. like, I see people suffering, and, mm. and, and I don't want them to, and I want them to think that maybe you just, like, let go of that side of your, your life for now, and you can pick it back up again soon. Yeah, well, I think it's absolutely about knowing if, if, if you're feeling like you're struggling, and this is whether it's depression or anything else, really, but if you're feeling like you're really struggling and, and then one of the things is obviously to look at what what are the things going on in my life what are the things that I do have capacity for or like say what's important to me what's the most important of all these things so exercise may be in there parenting may be in there um uh, self-care work relationship social life all these things and but the reality is if you don't have enough time if for example let's say your child is very young and they need you much more at the moment or your work has particularly got a deadline that means it needs more of you or um you know whatever else it is that means that you only have so much you only have so many hours in a day there's only so much you can do so then you know that idea of flexibility that's being able to go where do I need to focus my time what have I genuinely got space for in my day um and that includes making space for rest it includes making space mm-hmm. for sleep um and and then knowing actually okay absolutely like you're saying there are some things here that's going to have to give so it might be that I can't get to my CrossFit class all the time or I can't um do these hours at work all the time because that doesn't fit with everything else and and but it might be that I can do some, something slightly different maybe I look at a different exercise or I can look at a different kind of time or um uh, I look at delegating something so I recognize I can't do all of these tasks so maybe I delegate my kids getting a lift to this uh, activity so that I can go and do something else and and it's just being able to be flexible in that way to to enable yourself to to find a way that is more healthy and that's where you know the compassion comes in I think that's a big part of, of for someone experiencing depression trying to find ways to feel more compassionate themselves is really important but as a person supporting someone with depression being compassionate as well and understanding how difficult this is and how difficult it is to live when there's depression in their life and how difficult it is to think outside of what depression is telling you um, and and they say to think flexibly about the fact that you can't do all those things and actually it is okay to to let some of those things pause or or change or maybe it can't be you know the gym three times a week but maybe you can go once or twice or whatever it looks like um just yeah. being able to be more flexible with that um, really. you know subscribe to like one of those food delivery services or something like that if you yeah. might think oh oh good for you you get your food delivered or gusto or whatever it's all pre-packaged but like yeah. why not take advantage of a service like that like if that yes. 
if priorities have, have shifted a little and that's a way that you can save time because time is time is just everything Why yeah, not? absolutely um, I, but i'm sorry but i'm glad you brought it back to um you know that the support you know that's what we're mm. here to talk about supporting people that are going through depression and and i thought what you mentioned earlier on about asking for permission was a was mm. a kind of really valuable insight as well and i, and I maybe mm. haven't thought about it like that before um because as we've talked about, you you just want to offer a solution straight away. But that mm. kind of saying, is this okay? Is it okay if I give you the number for this person that I know that um, saw a therapist and they had great, like, you know, really mm. helped them? Is that all right? Instead of just saying, come on, you need to, you just need to do this. Like, I know this would help. Like, it's so tempting yeah. to take that approach, isn't yeah. it? But I think permission is really interesting. Yeah, um, it's just, yeah. it's just really crucial. I think if you can ask permission, because again, it's that idea that, you know, most people experience this. It's not that they can't see some of the the things that know they need to be done, but there might be so many things that feel like a barrier for them, and um, or that feel really tough because they're feeling. You know, if if the if the depression is making them feel you know, utterly exhausted and really terrible about themselves, and then and then the idea that of course they know that going for a run or going to the gym or doing that exercise may well help, but the idea of trying to get them out was so difficult and so exhausting and then when someone's saying you know you could just do this and and it's uh, sometimes it's I think that's the other bit it's so hard perhaps to always explain exactly how difficult that task seems um and then obviously what happens is the person might say yes of course I'll do that and then and then it gets to it and they can't do it because the depression feels so overwhelming and then they beat themselves up even more so it's um trying to help um manage all of those things and 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 so you want to make sure they're ready for the suggestions you want to give. So asking permission means that they're they're able to then they can then choose that they're, when they're ready to hear that, when they're ready to have some suggestions. So you know, can I suggest some ideas that might help? And can we talk about this together and see if there's some ideas we can come up with? And and then if they're giving you permission, then then it's much more likely for them to be able to hear that um, than than if you just like say go in with you know if you were just doing this and let's do that and 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 that's they may not be in the right place to to mm. take that on board um, yeah because actually like a sense of control and a sense of agency is really helpful yeah. as well so that yeah. kind of plays into that yeah i don't know yeah yeah absolutely and think right. just just knowing that they need to be able to um go at the pace that they're ready for right. and and to understand so i mean partly that mission is asking you know can i suggest some ideas but it's also about you know I can hear you're struggling um you know is there something I can do is there something I can help with is there something that you that that may be helpful right now or that that you need from me right now and um and just allowing them to guide it as well um because it might be that at that point they they don't need the suggestions about the gym but maybe they need you to help them sit and do a food shopping delivery or you know maybe they like actually can we just can you help me clear up the kitchen or it might just be that that there might be something else that's more important um that will make a difference for them yeah or just sitting there and listening like how, how much um how much do we appreciate the people that just sit there and just listen to us and they're not yeah. offering the solutions they're just there and they just say i'll, I'll sit with you for as long as you want yeah. Talk, keep talking to me this week like keep me updated or, or whatever like i'm here for you no matter yeah. what it's just it's 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 invaluable yeah, it's, it's so absolutely. like precious isn't it absolutely mm. and i mean i think just the other thing with that and uh, with the more of the practical things is that it's recognizing it's a really tricky line because on the one hand 
one of the things you can do is offer that more practical you know I can go get your food shop for you I can help pick up the kids for you I can you know I can do something practically to make your life a little bit easier so you don't feel quite so overwhelmed or um you know and, and that can be really really helpful on the other hand because we know that depression can cause withdrawal then sometimes if we're doing things which means that person doesn't have to put themselves out there or uh, yeah, go and yeah. pick the kids up or go and go to the shops to get some food, then that can be enabling the withdrawal a little bit. So it's a really tricky balance. And it's recognising that as as people around that person, you are treading a, a tricky balance um, for trying to figure out what's the right thing. Um, again, it's thinking about the balance. Like if somebody has spent the whole day inside, then then yes, encouraging them to do something where they're coming outside is a really good idea. Um, but if actually it looks like you see them just rushing around, exhausting themselves, um, and clearly overwhelmed, then actually offering some practical help where you can do something for them will be, you know, will make a big difference. Hmm. And earlier on, you mentioned you, you mentioned three things, and I can't remember what the first two were. Mm-hmm. And, and the last one was around mastery, and I know, and I know, that I wanted mm-hmm. to ask you about that. Yeah. But what were the other two again? Was it around um, physical health? Yes. Yeah, so it was about. So generally, when we're thinking about when someone's experiencing um, low mood or depression, then you're yeah. looking at the things that tend to um they tend to stop doing it's and and looking at what we do that we know starts lifting mood so we know that things that lift mood include exercise and activity um uh social connection so um even if it's just texting somebody replying to a text message um which you know that's an important point that that often people might stop replying to messages they might stop or they might just slow down. You might notice it takes them a day or two to reply. And if that's a shift and a change, then again, that's a sign like, oh, what's going on for this person? They're kind of slowing down. Obviously, there's you know other reasons why somebody might stop doing that. But within the context of depression, that may be part of what you see. And again, it's trying not to take that personally. It's not that, oh, they're not replying to me. or Oh, they're cancelling plans on me again. And, and, and feeling cross with them about that is recognising this is the depression. It makes it really hard. And then it becomes something really challenging because they stop. Um, you know, the person might stop replying to messages and then they feel it really hard. They might feel shame or embarrassment and find it really hard to then start replying again and it and it become really difficult. So I would say one of the things is don't give up on the person. Keep messaging, keep phoning, keep suggesting plans, even if they keep cancelling them, keep going, don't give up. Um, make sure they know you're there. That's so important. Um, sorry, I, I went on tangent myself then. Um, <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so the things when you're thinking about the areas to encouraging someone, it's, you know, exercise and activity, absolutely. Even And that doesn't have to be, you know, a hard gym session. That can be a walk around the block. That can be getting out in the garden. That can be doing anything. I mean, obviously, the more fun, the better, to be honest. So, um, which combines with some of the other things. Because it's about, you know, exercise and movement, um, social connection. So doing something socially. Um, even if it's one-to-one, even if it's on a text message, something. Um, uh, doing something that you enjoy. So obviously that might include those first two that we're talking about, but doing something that that you that before the depression would have brought joy. So things that 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 make them feel good. So if it's um paddleboarding, if it's um uh, um going shopping, if it's uh sightseeing somewhere, like whatever it is playing music listening to music whatever it is if it's something that brought them joy before um then trying to encourage those type of activities and and the 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 ones that kind of the top of the joy list the better really so anything that really brings up that mood as much as you possibly can um and then something that gives you a sense of achievement and and those two things so um the, the things that are important around that one so the sense of joy 
it's something that brings you pleasure, something that, that you look forward to, something that you find fun. Um, it's knowing that when a depression is there, the person might not feel that joy towards that activity or they might only feel it 1% or 2%. And, and then sometimes it can feel hard to do because they don't feel the enjoyment like they did before. Um, but the, the, the idea is that, you know what, even if you go and do this thing and it only makes you feel 1% better or 2% better or 5% better, it's still probably better than not doing the thing. Um, so it's giving themselves permission to do that, knowing they probably won't feel the big level of enjoyment they did previously, but at least it's going in the right direction. And the more they do those things, the higher those numbers should creep. Um, yeah. and then the, the kind of, uh, achievement or mastery one is more about doing something that gives you a sense of achievement and so that could be feeling like you have a sense of purpose that you're doing something useful you're doing something meaningful now you might not necessarily enjoy that task but you do feel good for getting it done so that's a bit more of the things like taking things off your to-do list or sorting out you know the kitchen so that it's nice and tidy again and actually it makes you feel better that that, that you've been able to do that um, and again with depression because it tends to you tend to stop doing things you tend to um, stop taking care of yourself in the same way or you tend to stop sorting out the bills or um, you know tidying up the spare room or sorting out the washing or um, managing the garden or whatever it is you tend to stop doing those things so actually doing things which you you can feel like you can tick off the list and go actually I feel better for doing it. I might not have enjoyed the task particularly but I do feel a sense of achievement for doing it or and it could be those small things or it can be a big work task or something with the kids or something else it could be something that you get that sense of achievement from so it's thinking about those different areas. Right yeah because when I suppose when you said mastery I thought you maybe meant something like it's a skill that you're learning and then you, you've you've nailed it and so that brings you some kind of I don't know, positive, like emotion yeah. or whatever, learning a language, learning the instrument. Yeah. And is that linked to flow as well? That um, yeah, when, I mean, when we get into these states of flow, that it can be good for us? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, right. yes, and it can be all of that too. So, it, okay. I mean, ultimately it's about doing anything that, that brings up your mood is what we're aiming for, anything that makes you feel a little bit better. And if if by doing something, you know, taking something off the do list just makes you, even if the task doesn't make you feel better, but the, the ticking off the do list does, then that's a that's a good thing and um so but, but absolutely it could be something that if you start maybe you start taking up a new hobby and you challenge yourself to start learning something new then the achievement from that um may feel really good so absolutely all those things um, oh, okay. yeah interesting so the one last thing i wanted to talk to you about is um is there a sense that do you think in your experience that people there might be people that are kind of powering through as I like to say that um perhaps they are kind of adjust, adjusted to a new normal kind of they're, they're feeling low low mm-hmm. energy and and maybe not as many positive thoughts and they've kind of adjusted and just think oh well this is my new normal and and that's okay and I've accepted it now um mm-hmm. so it's a bit of a random question to finish on but I, I just I was just curious about your thoughts whether people do adjust to a new normal and then if like, maybe you recognize that in someone else or maybe you recognize it in yourself and go oh man I just seem to like have accepted this and actually that's mm-hmm. that's not okay because I think I think it can be a little better. I think cl- things can be a little clearer and a little brighter and I can have a little more clarity, but I've yeah. just kind of accepted it and, and thrown my hands up and said, well, this is just now, um, you know, this is my sentence almost. Like This is just going to, you know, this is my lot in life and it's it's going to carry on, so that's okay. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know what you think. Yeah, absolutely. I think that 
certainly you go when we think about the depression spectrum and if you've got people perhaps on the the kind of milder end of that spectrum that mm-hmm. I think there's people where you know if we think of the let's say that sort of metaphor of depression as you know you've got the dark cloud over your head that mm-hmm. it can be that sense of just life just feels a bit gray um yeah. and you could that people can be in a place where things just feel a bit gray and and they say you kind of get used to like this is just how it is like I don't particularly enjoy my job or not particularly happy in my relationship or um I, I just don't feel like I've got that sense of of enjoyment of life particularly I'm just kind of going through the motions every day and I'm doing my parenting or I'm doing my work or I'm going out and seeing friends but I just don't feel that that joy anymore I don't feel that that kind of multicolour you know, light yeah. in my life anymore and um and I think it's absolutely possible for people to to get into that and 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 perhaps you know whether it's that's you know, if someone is experiencing a significant depression and it and it perhaps as they're recovering, it becomes part of that and, and almost they, as I say, settle into this is just what life is like. Um, or whether actually it's it's something that can creep in and it doesn't maybe ever reach the the stages of what could people may identify as being a depression. But it's certainly, you know, at that sort of end of the spectrum where it's, let's say, life just feels grey and um, and and people may not realize that that that, that can be different or that they can challenge that in any way um and and absolutely i think if you you know you listen to this and that's how life feels then it's fun knowing that that can be different and and you absolutely deserve it to be different and it's looking at what is it that's going on for you that can help you um enable that to be different and is that about what's going on in your life are there facts in your life that are leading to that you know it's a job that's not making you unhappy it's a a relationship that is not treating you well it's it's um you know finding parenting really really tough and the reality is you know for for anyone who's out there who's a parent we know it's you know wonderful wonderful all those things and it's really tough <laughs> it's really tough um and sometimes you don't enjoy it and and it's in particular maybe it's certain that like you were saying about cycles at certain stages it's not very enjoyable sometimes and um, if then there's other factors which are also making you feel life isn't very enjoyable, then that becomes really tough. So um, I think it's it's looking at other things in your life that maybe need to change that will will make a difference to the way that you're feeling. Um, or is it something about the way that, you, you know, like we were saying earlier, that you could subjectively say, look, all these things in my life are good, but I'm still feeling this grey feeling. I'm still feeling like I'm just going through the motions then. Um, then looking at ways to tackle that is really important. And that's where I would encourage you know, speaking to a therapist or, um, you know, there's some great self-help books out there to start and to maybe look at how are you thinking about things? How are you treating yourself? Is there more things you can do around self-care? Or um, is there anything else that maybe we can look at to, to help shift this feeling? Because you don't have to accept just feeling just feeling great. For sure. Yeah. Oh, thank you for answering it, uh, that question. Right, I've just got three more very short, kind of almost quick-fire questions for you. Um, the first one is, what's one lesson that you wish you'd have been taught when you were a child? Ooh. <laughs> um, <laughs> good question. Um, I mean, I think well, I, I mean, I think one of the things for me as a psychologist is knowing I feel very lucky that because of all the training I've done, I've been able to learn so many things about um, emotions, about how to communicate about um you know how to manage my mental health which I'm so grateful for um 
But I think obviously these are things I've learned later on as an adult. And I think so for me, any of those things that you can learn when you're younger as a child, the more we can learn about them, the better, really. I think if I was going to pick something, um, I think perhaps the ability to know how to communicate and react when you feel hurt or frustrated or angry about a situation, like how to manage that in a way that is healthy, that means that you can have a health, helpful conversation with the other person that means you can help yourself move through that feeling so that you're not just sitting in hurt and anger and frustration I think those are useful skills which I feel I've developed better as I've got older um with all the skills I know but but generally I mean gosh yeah I think anything that teaches uh that would it, for me as a child and anything for children now that teaches them about emotions about how to talk about our emotions, how to communicate in a healthy way, anything like that is so helpful. And what's one habit that you think I could add to my life that would help me feel great? One daily habit. Yeah, so I think with this one, again, I could, you know, I could really, I could go into those <laughs> um, because I think there's so many good things out there now that we can do these days on a day so basis it makes such a difference. Um, I think maybe one of my favourites is just the ability to be able to sort of check in and breathe like with ourselves. So being able to, at any point in your day, just being able to stop and kind of check in and be and have that sense of how am I doing? Like, how am I feeling? What's going on for me at the moment? Like, what am I feeling in my body? What am I carrying? What, what maybe stresses are going on or what's happening for me? Um, and, and just because I think being able to just notice that is so helpful because then that enables, if I can check in with myself about that, it enables me to be able to then offer um, myself the best care, depending on what the answers to those questions are in terms of what I then need to look after myself in that day. Um, but also that means I'm likely to be going to be a better person for the people around me um, and the engagement of the people around me if I'm keeping check of where I'm at and what I need and how I can look after myself. Um, although actually I'm going to sneak in as well. Breathing is <laughs> breathing exercises are so, I think they're so helpful and so valuable and they're so underrated and people don't realize how useful they are. Um, and, you know, I often talk to my clients about the fact that we know that when we can get in the habit of taking really nice, slow, deep breaths, it, 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 it sends that signal to the part of our nervous system that says we can rest, we can soothe, that we're safe. Um, again, it, just like with everything else we were talking about, obviously, of course, it's not a one, you know, it's not a, a magic wand that's not going to make everything better, but developing the skill is so helpful. So I'm snuck in too there, sorry. <laughs> that's okay. I'll, I'll let you do that. <laughs> and the last one is, if you could give everyone in the world just one book, what book would you give them? Yeah, again, it's a tricky question just because, oh my gosh, I've got so many books <laughs> and um, and I love them all. So, but I think if I was going to pick one book, um, I'd probably pick The Happiness Trap by Russ Harris, um, which is um, a fantastic book that, that talks about ways to, you know, be compassionate to self, ways to understand your thoughts, how to respond to your thoughts in a helpful way, how to um, behave in the way you want to as a you know as a human um it, it's based on acceptance and commitment therapy which is a really lovely wonderful therapy um and i'd really encourage it for anybody um it's a really lovely book to read and it gives you some skills which you can use across the board so it's not specific to depression it's or, or anything else it's kind of across the board ways to, to to kind of look after yourself and talk to yourself in a way that will be more helpful 
Um, so I think I'd pick that one. Although if I was going to sneak in a second one, <laughs> I would I would say there's a fantastic book that um, a colleague of mine wrote recently um, called Rest to Reset, which is um, by Susie Reading, which is just um, a lovely book. So I think rest is so underrated and we're really bad at it. Like I was saying earlier, kind of about work you know work so hard and we're, it's always about being on the go um so it teaches you some lovely skills about resting yeah well previous <laughs> guests on the podcast so yeah get that book but also check out my episode with Susie absolutely yeah <laughs> where she uh, where she offers lots of insights around that book because that's that's what absolutely. we're talking about I love, I love Susie's work and and yeah. um that I mean she's got lots of books which I also love but yeah. that one current one is my favorite <laughs> Okay, I'll let you have two for that one as well. <laughs> <laughs> right, Emma, thank you so much for your time. Um, the people that have listened to this and want to find out more about your work and they also want to get a copy of your book as well, um, mm-hmm. perhaps, um, where can they go and do that? Um, so if you want to find out about me, um, I have a website which is empowerpsychology.co.uk. Um, so you'll find all about me there. Um, I've got an Instagram account of the same name and um, and the books. So um, so I'm Dr. Emma Cottrell. And if you look at Amazon or any good bookshop, Waterstones, etc., then um, you'll find. So I've got a book about depression. Um, so how to help people with depression. Um, a book about um, that I wrote last year, which is about supporting single parents um, with with um, uh, coping with single motherhood, um, and um, and there's some some more coming out. So yeah, have a look. They'll be on my website, and uh, <laughs> yeah, all good bookshops. That's great. That's great. Well, that, that, that second book would be an interesting topic for perhaps another episode if you're ever up for coming back on the show. Um, yeah, absolutely, really well, it's, yeah, it's something I'm passionate about. So yeah, absolutely. Great. Thank you so much again. And um, yeah, we'll be in touch. Lovely. Nice to see you. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you found my conversation with Emma insightful. And if you did enjoy the episode, please share it with friends, family and colleagues who you think would find it helpful. And you can also support the podcast by following and rating the show on whichever app you're listening on. Thank you again, and I look forward to bringing you another episode soon.